standing for a minute. If you do not have a book for this uh, series we're going through, raise your hand quickly. We're going to get you a book. Boy, I'll tell you what. We've got some people that should have been here at the beginning, but that's all I'm going to say about it. I don't want to start a crazy little rumor. But hold it. Keep your hand up. We'll get you a book. And we're going to read one verse together. I really, I like that song. That song kind of got a hold of me. I like it. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but God's really bringing our way some really good musicians, some more and more and more musical people. And we're very thankful for that because we're a worshiping church and I, I love it. And so I'm excited about that. And uh, to me, the better the music, the better the service. And we're excited. Amen. All right. If you don't have a book, raise your hand. Is that it? All right. Let's put it up there, uh, Jeff. And we're going to talk tonight about has your speech condemned you. It is page 45. Okay. You're going to read the book instead of the screen? (laughs) Excuse me while I talk to my wife a minute. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Now, I want you to notice uh, that your speech can condemn you. Let's read this together. I want you to read the verse out loud with me. A good man will speak good things because of the good in him. A bad man will speak bad things because of the sin in him. I say to you, on the day men stand before God, they will have to give an answer for every word they have spoken that was not important. Oh, no. Then where are we? If for every word that wasn't important, how many of you, when you speak, it's a philosophical profundity? All right, let's go on. For it is, Jesus said, read it with me, for it is by your words that you will be, not be guilty, and it is by your words that you will be guilty. Can we pray? Father, speak to us tonight. Speak to our hearts. Lord, we need wisdom with words. We need wisdom at home. We need wisdom in the church. We need wisdom in how we even talk to ourselves. We need the wisdom of God. We pray for an anointing, that anointing that you gave the church that teaches us. The Holy Spirit would bring these things home to us in a way that is eternal and lasting. Will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, I receive your word tonight. Speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and say, watch that tongue. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's look at this. Jesus spoke often about the power of words. He said that words, think about this now, that they were eternal. Words are eternal. We will answer to God, according to Jesus, for things we've said. Can you imagine that? So it's like this. There's a tape recorder going in heaven, and God is recording what we say. Even believers will answer for what they say. Now, we won't be judged for sin, but we will be rewarded for the things that we did to the glory of God. Very important. So say with me what I say has eternal repercussions. Now, he said, words also were barometers of our spiritual condition. 
You know, if you want to know where somebody is spiritually, just listen to them for 10 minutes. I'm serious. Because the words that come out of your mouth are the thermometer of your soul. They are the barometer of your spiritual condition. What comes out of your mouth? Very, very true. Listen to somebody for 10 minutes. You'll know if they're positive or negative. You'll know if they're up or down. You'll know if they're saved or lost. You'll know if they're walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh. You'll know if they're immature or if they're mature. Just listening to them. Jesus said both good and bad character are revealed by what we say. Powerful stuff. Jesus said that words can bring us a good or bad conscience. One of either justification or guilt. One day a man approached the famous philosopher Socrates and he said this to him. Socrates, listen to this little bit of gossip about your friend. I'm about to tell you something that's going to tickle your ears. Now Socrates didn't know Christ because Christ hadn't come. But he had some natural sense about words. And he quickly uh, replied to his friend, have you run what you're about to say through the three sieves? And the man asked what he meant, to which Socrates replied, here's the three sieves. You ought to run through what you're about to say. One, are you sure that what you're going to say is the truth? Do you know that it's the truth or is it hearsay? Is what you're about to say undeniable, irrefutable truth or is it open to speculation? Is it hearsay? Here's the second sieve. Is what you're going to say kind? Is it kind? Is it nice? Kind. Third sieve. Is this really necessary? Is it really necessary that I say this? For what intent, what good is going to come out of my saying this? Who's going to benefit? Those were Socrates' three sieves. The man could not answer any of these with a yes. And Socrates then said, skip it. Now, I read that and I researched that because I didn't think you said skip it in the 5th century B.C., but that's what I found every time. He said, skip it. I don't know what that is in Greek. I'm not sure the Greek word means skip it. <laughs> now, the importance of words pertains not only to what you say, and hear me on this one tonight, but what you listen to. You're, in, you're as responsible for what you sit there or stand there and listen to as you are to what you say. Two counselors compiled a list of questions based on the nature of gossip and its dangers. And they deal with both what you say and what you hear. Try using them as a sifter next time you're about to say or hear loaded information about somebody else. Now, I didn't use all of them. I, I pulled five each, five about what you say and five about what you listen to. But folks, let me tell you something. How many of you want to enjoy life and see good days? Now, remember the promise of Simon Peter. He said, he who would enjoy life and see good days, see to it that you refrain from speaking evil or speaking guile. Refrain. Watch what you say. Because God will give you good days and you'll enjoy your life. Well, you know what that tells me? If I don't grab hold of my tongue and begin to say the right things or at least 
do my best to not gossip, not slander, and not sit and listen to it where somebody's really subjecting me to a mud bath. If I don't do that, the flip side of the coin is true. I will not see good days and I will not enjoy life. Why would that be? Well, we're going to talk about the high price of slander in just a minute, but let's look at this. Here's the first question. Will I help or hurt the person's character by repeating this information? Am I helping anybody by repeating this information? Second one, would it be better left untold even if true? How many of you know that just because it's true doesn't mean you've got to go blab it? Just because it's true. All right, here's a third one. Will anybody be edified if I repeat this information? Is this going to edify anybody if I repeat it? What did the Bible say? Paul said in Ephesians 4 to spirit-filled church people, he said, let everything you say be good and helpful. Everything. Let it be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know, with one sentence, you can ruin somebody's week. With one sentence... You can, put a, you can put a hook in a child's mind that takes years for him or her to get over. One sentence. Words are powerful. Now, here's another one. Is the information true? Is there any basis for it? Is it rumor or is it factual? Is it true? And, and if you think so, say, well, I know it's true because I just feel it in my gut. You know what? Your gut can be real wrong. You know what the closest counterfeit to the voice of the Holy Spirit is inside of you, your gut, your soul. And your soul can talk to you and sound just like the Holy Ghost, just like the Holy Spirit. And you can think it's the Holy Spirit when it's not. Okay? So the only way to know if something's true or not is investigate and find out if it's true. And sometimes the only way to ever know that is go to the horse and say, is this true? Okay? Uh, Five, is this information about something that has been repented of and stopped? If so, why say it? If they've repented, if they've stopped, if they've turned, what good comes out of saying it except ruining reputation? Now, here's the problem with every one of these things I just read. There is something inside of you and me that loves to hear juicy, loaded information. Now, don't put your halo too high over your head when I say that. You look at me like, not me, Pastor Jeff. I mean, I, I've been over that a long time ago. I'm saved, praise God. Let me tell you something. The saved people love gossip. You got to train yourself to avoid it. You got to train yourself to walk away from it. You got to train yourself. And if you don't, you'll maintain that taste for gossip that lost people always maintain and have and, and cultivate. God wants us free of it. Now, what about what you listen to? Well, let's look at it. Do I want to be an accessory in the commission of a sin against somebody else by receiving information I should not be privy to? Because, see, if I listen to something in a, in a gossip context about somebody else, if I open my ears, now God didn't give us ear lids, he gave us eyelids. So since you don't have ear lids, there's only one thing you can do, and that's turn around and walk away. Or say, you know what, I can't enter into this conversation with you. It's not going to do me any good, not going to do you any good. Why listen to it? 
All right, now, if I listen, I've entered into sin with the gossip. Haven't I? Have I? Sure I have. Because I'm going, really? Oh, really? You don't say them? That? I'll be sure to pray. You don't pray. You walk away and you never pray about it. You just heard some juicy gossip. Now, here's the second thing about what you listen to. Not what you say, but what you allow yourself to listen to. Will I feel better about the one being talked about by hearing the things spread by a gossiper? What am I going to think about this person if I sit and listen to what they're telling me about them? What am I then going to think about them? What am I going to think about the victim of the gossip? I don't know if it's true. The context is wrong because the person is telling me, and I'm not a part of the problem, and I'm not a part of the solution. So how am I going to see that person? I'm going to answer my own question. You're going to always see them through the lens of what you heard. Now, how does that gel with Jesus saying, do to others as you want others to do to you? It doesn't gel, does it? So, Pastor, come on, man, everybody gossips, everybody talks about people. This is just life. It's just human nature. It's fallen human nature. It's not supposed to be our nature. It's not supposed to be the way of the mature believer. It's not supposed to be. And you know what it takes? It only takes one strong anti-gossip person in a church to influence the whole thing. All you got to be is in a group of people one time where somebody who is anti-gossip stands up and says, I can't enter into that conversation. It impacts everybody. They go, whoa. It has a powerful, powerful impact. So you can be that person and to say, you know what? I don't, I don't want to listen to that about them because I don't know if it's true and I don't want to see them through the lens of the evil report. That's not fair. I don't want people looking at me that way. Isn't that true? Well, Pastor, don't we need to tell the truth about people? How many of you think that God is able to bring the truth out about people? And, and you know what? I don't think he's anointed spies in the church. I don't think he has. I don't think he's turned loose any 007s into the church who are anointed and appointed to find out all the juicy tidbits and spread them. I don't think he's anointed anybody to be a critic. I've had people say to me, it's just my anointing. And I say, no, it's not. Where is that? What chapter, what verse? Oh, yeah, it's one of the nine gifts. A critic. It's not there. Now, watch this. Can I, in good conscience, say that I'm a friend of one from whom I receive information about the wrongdoing of another? In other words, am I the gossip's friend if I'm encouraging and enabling them to continue in their career of gossip? Am I really their friend? A friend will tell the truth. A friend will do what is best for their friend. And if somebody is, 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 has, is going around sowing discord and gossiping in the church and ruining reputations or at least staining them, tainting them, hurting them, 
then if I'm their friend, I will say, you know what, we need to talk. Because you're going around saying things and, and, and sharing things that really is nobody's business. And, and, and we need to talk about why you're doing this. Now, that's, that's a friend. It may hurt, but the wounds of a friend are loving wounds. So the answer is, of course not. not. I'm not their friend if I enable them to gossip. Now, the fourth thing when it comes to hearing the wrong stuff, when I hear about the wrongdoing of another, am I not obligated to go to that person according to Jesus? If your brother offends you, go to him between you and him alone and tell him his fault. If somebody comes to me and says, you know, I, I hate to tell you this, translated, I really want to tell you this, I hate to tell you this, but I heard and or I, I have come to, to know from good information that so-and-so is, and you fill in the blank, so-and-so does, so-and-so is, so-and-so, and if I hear, let's just say, so-and-so is addicted to something. Now, now, when I hear that, am I not obligated to go to so-and-so who is in church? I'm just saying hypothetically in church every week and, you know, worshiping God. But I know that, you know, I've heard this information that they are addicted to some kind of a drug or maybe alcohol or something like that. Am I obligated under Christ's words to go to them and say, can I talk to you? This is, this is what came to me. I just want to know if it's true. And if it's true, can I help you? Yes. Here's what I'm not obligated to do. Go find another person and say, you know, I hate to tell you this, but this is what I heard. Before you know it, the poor old boy or old gal, they come into church and they have no idea why 30 eyes are looking at them funny. Because that week, everybody's been talking about them. But nobody went to them and said, is this true? And if it is true, can I help you? You know, y'all, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm getting older. Anybody in here getting older? Y'all look at me like, geez, I already hear that. Like happening to you. It's happening to all of us. Now, and the older I get, the less I want to fool with this stuff. I want to get on with God. I want to make a mark for God. And, and I want to see the Lord Jesus do something powerful in this city, in the lives of people. And we're going to. I guarantee you. I'm pregnant. But now, if this kind of stuff is going on in the church... Do you think the Spirit of God is grieved? I know He is. Can he, can he pour out on us industrial strength anointing if this is going on? How many of you want industrial strength anointing? All right. Then that's the kind of thing that, that, that needs to stop. And we all have to work at it. I mean, I do. We all do. Let's look at the next one, what you hear. How many people have left active service to Christ because of unfounded charges and allegations made and received by others. How many people do you reckon are out there who aren't in church anymore, who used to serve the Lord with all of their heart, but because gossip and rumors spread about them, they were finally so hurt, they just said, you know what, forget it. I'm picking up my marbles and I'm going home. And they're still out there. And, and you know who you can blame, blame that on is the gossips, the rumor mongers. The ones who talked about them instead of to them. Uh, look what it says in Proverbs 18, 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Have you ever noticed that? 
An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Well, that's true. I get convicted every time I see this list, and this is only partial uh, list, because I too have fallen short. The good news is this, and I want you to read this verse with me, can you? No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Trained in what way? Trained by the discipline of God. You know what this series is? It's, it's kind of disciplinary, and I'm surprised we've got this many people coming. Because this is not a jump up, come on, Pastor Jeff, preach it message. This is a oh me message. This is an ouch message. I can't tell you how many people have told me I can't walk after you're done because my toes are all crushed. <laughs> but see, when you're exercised by the discipline of God's word, it produces right living and the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And so we need this. We need to talk about this because this goes on in churches everywhere and it needs to stop. Now, let's go on and talk about slander. Everybody say with me, slander. Now, when I say that word, you probably think in legal terms. You you immediately think, well, you know, people are sued for slander and malice and uh, all that good stuff. But what does slander mean in the Bible? When King David was running from his own son, Absalom, a man named Shimei, met him in the wilderness where he was hiding and began to hurl two kinds of stones at David, real ones and the verbal stones of slander. Now here's just an example of what he said to King David, who is walking with sackcloth. He's wearing sackcloth and he's pouring dust on his head because Absalom's trying to overthrow him. His own son has undermined him. And here comes Shimei in David's darkest hour and he says this, come out, come out. You bloodthirsty man, you rogue. Not stopping there, he continued and said, The Lord has brought on you all the blood of the house of Saul. So now you are caught in your own evil because you're a bloodthirsty man. This he said to him in the king's blackest hour. Well, what made Shimei's sin particularly bad was that none of this was true. None of it. David had gone out of his way for 10 long years. You read the Bible. Read Samuel, First and Second Samuel. Read it. Gone out of his way to not shed one drop of the blood of Saul's house. He wouldn't. He got convicted for even cutting a little bit of Saul's garment. He never shed one drop of Saul's blood or anybody in his house. Shimei's words were undiluted slander. That's what they were. Now, what is slander? A slanderer is somebody who seeks to destroy another's credibility or reputation with damaging facts, distortion of facts, or evil suspicions. Now, I want you to catch this, church. Because we're about to see what God thinks of slander. I want to read this again. I want you to think about when was the last time I heard something slanderous in the the context of the church? When was the last time you heard something slanderous about somebody? Because here's what it is. A slanderer is somebody who seeks to destroy another person's credibility or reputation 
with damaging facts. Now notice, the facts may be true, but they're damaging. And what does the slanderer do? The slanderer tries to take the facts and instead of restore the person, destroy the person. Okay? Now, he says damaging facts or distortion of the facts, half true, half false, or evil suspicions. I just think they may have done it. Don't you think they may have done it? It looks to me like they may have done it. The Bible is clearer that only a fool spreads slander. Slander is gossip to the 10th power. Only a fool, anybody here want to be a fool? All right, only a fool spreads slander. That's what the Bible says. What does a slanderer do to the person that they slander? Well, uh, their earning potential, their reputation, their honor are among the valuable assets that the slanderer's words can wipe away. That's powerful stuff, y'all. I might as well have a gun in my hand, okay? Uh, It's a verbal gun. It's a verbal rifle. I can be a verbal sniper. I can be a verbal murderer according to the Word of God. I can ruin somebody's ability to make money, support their family, their ability to walk with their head held high in public. I can ruin it. I can ruin it. By speaking about them, the slanderer intentionally, on purpose, he knows exactly or she knows exactly what she or he is doing. They set out to destroy the target of his or her malice. There is nothing innocent about the slanderer. They know what they're doing. While gossip is usually dealt out in secret and in privacy, slander is shouted from the housetops. And it's serious stuff. You know what happens? Let me just get real, real with you. I've buried people who were slandered. Did a funeral. Suicide. Because they were slandered. And couldn't recover. Now, look at this. How many of you want to be like the devil? Hey, raise your hand. You're used to my invitations. No, nobody raised their hand. Anybody in here want to be like the devil? All right. What does the devil mean? The word devil, the name devil, literally means a slanderer or an accuser. The Greek word for devil is diabolos. It's two Greek words, dia, balos. Dia means through, like to shoot a bullet through or an arrow through, to pierce through something. Uh, Balos is to hurl or to throw. So look at what the the very name of the devil means. It means to throw something with such velocity or force that it goes through a victim, like a bullet or like an arrow. So there are words that I can speak. The Bible says there are words that are like the piercings of a sword. That's a proverb. There are words that I can speak that are like hurling a spear. And they go through the individual, pierce them, wound them. And that's exactly what the devil does. If you give him half a chance, in your own mind, he'll do this to you. 
He'll slander you. He'll hurl accusations at you and criticism at you. And he will attack you with words in your mind. You know what he's doing in heaven right now? The book of Revelations reveals he's in heaven at God's throne hurling accusations about you to God. He's slandering you. Remember when he slandered Job? He went right before God and said, you think Job is hot stuff. You think he's real spiritual. You think he really loves you. Let me tell you something. You take away what he's got and he will curse you. And what was he doing? Slandering Job. What does the devil do about you? Can I tell you? The devil is slandering you. He's slandering you, church. The devil's slandering you. If you love God, he's slandering you in front of God. Thank God we've got a high-dollar attorney standing right there. Thank God. And some of what he says is true, and some of what he says is embellished and a lie. But whether it's true or false, Jesus stands there and says, covered by my blood, covered by my blood, covered by my blood, covered. There is no condemnation because it's covered by my blood. But if Jesus wasn't standing there, man, he would make mincemeat out of us. Thank God for Jesus and for the blood that washes all sin away and takes all condemnation away. Say with me, there is therefore, right now, no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. So let the slanderer slander all he wants. God doesn't hear anything. He only hears his son saying, forgiven, 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 forgiven. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? So the name devil literally means to throw through. And that's what slanderous words do. They go through their victims like bullets from a gun. Have you ever had anybody say anything about you that went right straight through you? Raise your hand if that's never happened to you. Nobody in here. All right, the book of Revelations, I already went through that. Um, but I, I do want to ask you a question before we go on and, and finish up. Should we be helping the devil slander one another? Should we be, because anytime you slander somebody, you are intentionally trying to hurt them, hurt their reputation, hurt their livelihood, tear them down, ruin them with your words. Anytime you do that, you're siding with Diabolos. I don't want to side with him. God help us to not do it. Amen? God help us to not do it. Slander comes at a costly price. I want you to catch this as we head towards the close. Is there really, why are, am I a fool if I slander people? Why does the Bible call me a fool? Here's one reason. Slander can disallow us from spiritual leadership. Did you know that? When Paul the Apostle was listing the character attributes that aspiring deacons, not elders, not senior pastors, deacons, that aspiring deacons must possess, he said this, not about the deacon, but about their wife. He said, likewise, their wives must be reverent, not, say it with me, everybody, slanderers malicious gossips. See, a spiritual leader cannot have a wife who's gossiping. 
Because while he's trying to minister to the people, that gossip and that slander are working against him and working against the very church that he's trying to help. He said, well, how come he didn't tell the men to not slander? Oh, he could. He, he just said, look, if you're going to appoint a deacon, you've got to check out the wife too. Now, if a deacon's wife can't slander, where does that put an elder's wife or a pastor's wife? So I'm going to say something real heavy here, strong. This is the word. A slandering wife can literally keep her husband from spiritual promotion. Now, if the man is slandering, you can forget it. But he's wanting us to know, and I'm going to tell you something. I know I say a lot about Kathy. Kathy is not a slanderer. Kathy's not a gossip. And there is no way I could do what I do if I didn't have a wife fitted for it. It takes wisdom, ladies, because, listen, God can have something powerful for your man But if you don't walk in spiritual maturity, you can ruin it for him. And I expect to get some mail on that one from the radio. But that's okay. I'm fully prepared. Because this is what the Word of God says. So if I find somebody I want to be a deacon or an elder and their wives are gossips and slanderers, malicious gossips, I can't. I talked to a pastor this week. And this pastor said to me, We had an excellent man who was going to be an elder, but we cannot and could not anoint him because of his wife. What'd she do? She gossips about the church people. And so we can't lay hands on him, and he's outstanding. Isn't that powerful? That's very, very. So, you know, the two become one. Marriage is the only time one plus one equals one. And so, ladies, you got to have wisdom. Men, you got to have wisdom. We're talking about wisdom here. We're talking about what God honors or doesn't honor, what God blesses or doesn't bless. So, let's go to the second thing that can happen because of slander. Slander can prevent us from enjoying the blessing of God's presence. How many of you want God's presence on your life? Amen? I know I do. Have you ever been in a talk with people and all of a sudden you felt the anointing of God split? Exit, stage left. All of a sudden the anointing lifted and was gone because of what was being said. Have you ever experienced that? Now watch. King David spoke of, of this very dynamic of slander hurting the blessing and the anointing of God when he said, Lord, who may worship in your sanctuary? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? He's asking a question of God. He was asking God who would be able to enjoy his presence. And then he answers his own question. Those who refuse, now I'm quoting out of the Living Bible, but this is the Bible. Quote, those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. That's in, that's in Psalms 15. Everybody say, oh, me. So I don't know about you, but I love the presence of God. Sunday, 
I called the worshipers, those who wanted to worship, just to come down the altar. And this altar packed out. And we just started worshiping God. I could stand there all day. I love it. But he's sitting here telling us, look, if you're out gossiping and slandering and hurting your neighbor with your words, you can't enjoy God's presence. So there's, there's a price. Can you see with me why sl- those who slander are fools? All right. Now, let's read a quote from the great commentator Matthew Henry, and I'm closing with this. Let me just read it to you. This is Matthew Henry. Uh, I believe he was out of the 1700s, one of the greatest commentators on the Bible that ever commentated. <laughs> Listen to what he said. David is very careful to do hurt to no man and is sensitive to his neighbor's reputation. He makes the best of everybody and the worst of nobody. If an ill-natured report of his neighbor be given him or an ill-natured story be told him, he will disprove it if he can. If not, it'll die with him and go no further. End quote. Now, you know what it takes to get there? It takes work. It takes determination. And it takes the ability to keep a secret. You know, when we uh, were out there in the East Texas with 65 men, we got to talking about how we need each other, how men need to get with men and, and pray together. And we need to be able to tell each other personal stuff, battles, struggles, we need to be able to. And if the men can't trust the men, if we're all paranoid that we're not going to do what we just read, but instead, if you tell me something loaded about you, I'm going to go and tell somebody, then what we do is we, we cause that person to say, I will never tell another person anything about myself. We can't do that. And we guys out there said, you know what? And we had this little covenant, and we call it no stones. You tell me something about you where you need prayer and you're in a struggle, no stones. I'm not going to condemn you, and I'm not going to tell it. And I can never repeat what you tell me unless you give me permission. And all those men, it was very strong out there. We had a great retreat, and it was Amen. We, no stones. So you come up, we need to be the place, church, mature, where we can go up to each other, not unwisely, but wisely, prayerfully, discerningly, and say, I need to tell you this. I need to talk to you. Will you pray? I'm being tempted. I'm being tempted to an old addiction. I'm being tempted to a drug or, or something like that. I'm being tempted to pornography. I'm being tempted to... Um, unfaithfulness. I'm being tempted to gossip. I'm being tempted to whatever. Would you pray with me? First thing that needs to be said is no stones. No stones. I'm not going to condemn you and I'm not going to tell anybody what you told me, but I will pray with you. We got to get there. Got to get there. Do y'all know that? Because a lot of you, you're fighting battles all by yourself. Nobody knows what you're going through. Nobody knows how close you've come. They should. All right, let's stand together.
How many of you needed this tonight? You need this? Amen. I know it's powerful. It's strong. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we just come to you in the place of prayer. And Lord, we're, we're struggling, all of us struggling to please you, to understand this walk that you've called us into, to do what's right, and to eschew what's wrong. We're, we're trying, Lord. We're struggling. We all have our struggles. We all have our weaknesses. We all have our shortcomings. And Lord, we're just asking you to help us tonight to step up a level in what we say and what we listen to so that, Lord, we don't forfeit your presence, your blessing, or the ability to enjoy life and see good days by saying or listening to what doesn't advantage anybody. Lord, just help us. Help us to do it. Lord, we stumble so easy with words. It's so easy. Help us, Lord, to go up a step. Now, will you breathe that prayer, just that simple prayer? We're not trying to go from A to Z. Let's just go to A to B. Lord, help me to go up a step, just a step in what I say and what I listen to, just a step. 